Hello, Sam. Hello, Simon. How you been? I'm. I've been. I've been good. Mm-hmm. How have you been? It's been holidaylicious and crazy. Holid? You just said holidaylicious. <laughs> it's a new year. Yeah. It is a new year. Yes. And we had a holiday. Yes. A number changed on the clock. Mm. And now we're here with the taxidermy duck. Yeah. On the table. <laughs> I'm very confused by the taxidermy duck. Just pretend. Um, Actually, there's not much I can say that makes it right. <laughs> you can't. I can't. I, no. If someone were to try to picture this taxidermy goose that is sitting here, do you think that's a goose? I don't. I don't. It's looking at me now. That's because you turned it around. I'm gonna face it into the corner because it's. Okay, wait. Let's focus. Picking me out. Just forget about the um, stuffed animals here in this room. It's such a strange room. We've been recording in some pretty strange places for the last few episodes. We're gonna have to keep topping it. I think every time. Sheesh. Yeah. It's going to get difficult soon. <laughs> We're going to have to go to like a circus in yeah. Southeast Asia. I don't know how you are to taxidermy goose. I don't know either. With sawdust actually poking out of its bum. Yeah. Um, this is a user lab too. So I don't... Maybe it means something. Maybe the psychologist put it there because... <laughs> if you are afraid, you'll be more focused on the website that you're supposed to be testing. It's like, let's just, just, just put a duck's ass in their face while they're using uh, our app and see what that does. I was reading... Let's A-B test that shit. I can never remember the wonderful guy's name, the guy who founded OkCupid. I was reading um, his blog again today. Uh, the guy who wrote Dataclism, which I've just bought for myself as a little New Year's present. I don't know what any of these things okay, are. Okay, you know what OkCupid is? No. <gasps> so before there was tinder before there was jswipe which is jew tinder what are these things you know what tinder is I've before heard of it. The, yeah um, of course you know what tinder is before there was tinder there was okcupid but it had more words right was it an app it was a website okay. this is like the 90s right mm-hmm. and okcupid um, was amazing and what was so interesting is that they ran this blog you do know this in which they I don't really no in which so what was so great about it is they collected all of this data about how humans rate other humans and then they would message each other through the app and they kept this wonderful blog of snippets of interesting insights that they were seeing from the data and they long before Facebook got into trouble for doing this used to run experiments so there was one day where they took all the they blocked all the profile pictures so that they called it the blind dating day and they wanted to see whether that influenced um, how people behaved and it did so you were obviously much more likely to message people um, who you normally wouldn't on the attractiveness scale mm-hmm. um, but then halfway through they kind of turned the pictures back on so it was kind of like um, the lights coming on at the bar at midnight and you realize you're talking to a a guy who's you know pretty unattractive um and then of course it kind of bounced back to the normal rate so they do stuff like that where they they experiment on humans and how humans date other humans okay it's very interesting all right and then he writes about it no ducks involved there are no ducks <clears throat> all right why was i talking about that because there's reason. a duck on the table <laughs> just like a random duck just a random duck Mm-hmm. I have nothing this strange in my house. I feel like maybe I should. Maybe that's what's wrong with my life, is I don't, in fact, have a taxidermy duck. That's probably what you need. Would you like this one? <laughs> no. Please? It scares me. Okay. Well, it's... I don't... You know this where this leaves us. No. Not really. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. You're not a New Year's resolution-y person. No, fuck not. I know. I know you're not. It's not even New Year's yet, man. I'm, I'm on the Chinese calendar. Oh, right. Okay, February. Yeah. What what year are we going into? Uh, goat. The goat? I am a goat. Are you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know what that means? You're bearded? Nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. 
as with Western astrology, it means nothing. It means everything because we make it mean something. Okay. Well, I'll have to go and look up what that means then. (laughs) Me being a goat. We're coming out of the year of the dragon, right? I don't know. I don't know. What are you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. I think I'm a rabbit. Wait, I do think I know. I think you're not a duck. I think I'm a rabbit. I think I'm not a goose. (laughs) Your uh, lack of affinity for them. Yeah, maybe. Suggests that perhaps no. It's not one of my kin. It's really tatty as well. No, I don't. Do you do New Year's resolutions? You seem too smart for that. No, no. And also you walked into the room smoking. (laughs) My resolutions involve eating less healthily, smoking more, and picking up more bad habits. Mm -hmm. That's that's my resolution. My friend Annie had a good resolution that she tweeted. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Perhaps I should reference my external brain while we talk. Uh-huh. But it was probably the best New Year's resolution I've ever seen. It basically uh, amounted to making no decisions, which... What does that mean? Uh, it sounds... When somebody cool like Annie says things, it makes sense. Yeah. And then when you repeat them to somebody else... <laughs> I'll find it. It's on Please the internet. Do. Does does she mean like just going with the flow more in general? I don't know what she means. I'm not sure she does either. Question everything, understand nothing, make no decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an Annie Annie resolution. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'll I'll adopt that one. It's funny. I mean, I do think there is something to the practice of making resolutions, even if I mean it's 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 totally arbitrary that people do them now. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of those things where it might be useful to think through and reflect on things you would like to do more and less, more or less of. Mm. But I don't know if it's a good idea to actually. I see the value goals. in that. Yeah. 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 But you know, I'm going to stop smoking and go to the gym and not eat 4,000 calories of carbohydrates right. every day. Right. Like you haven't thought about that. That's just shit that everybody knows, and yeah. you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. So let's park that. Let's assume that that is a worthy goal. Mm-hmm. What are the things that aren't so obvious that you should be doing right, or shouldn't yeah. be doing? Or what are the what are the reasons that you're doing those things? So I have this thing about dieting, right? And in general, how it's really hard to do things that are unpleasant for humans, like eating less. Right. It's kind of just not wired into us, right? So I think it's often a fool's errand to just say, I'm going to go on diet or just say, in my case, I'm going to do exercise because I hate mm-hmm. exercise. I hate it. So... It's more like figuring out ways to game. It seems smarter to figure out ways to game your environment so that you never have to make those hard decisions. Yeah. 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 And I I think like just 98% of behavioral economics books from Dan Ariely down. Agree. They all basically say that, right? It's like prospect theory. Yeah, yeah. You need to put yourself. Exactly. Who's the guy who ties himself to the mast so that the minstrels won't... Yeah, uh, Odysseus. Odysseus. Yeah, yeah exactly. they all use Odysseus. Yeah, exactly. You need to tie down uh, the part of the elephant. Yeah, exactly. So that the rider can. But when people talk about their news resolutions, inevitably it's all like I'm going to run more. Like it's why would you do something that's so hard? Why would you set yourself up to fail in such a way and then feel shitty and feel like you're a person who's not in control of yourself? Mm-hmm. No one's in control of themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well. You know the um, the misanth the misanthrope in me <laughs> kind of enjoys watching that whole process happen. Oh really? Yeah. And how excited everyone! In fact, is that's how we that's how we celebrate Chinese New Year in February when everybody's failed already. <laughs> we shoot off some fireworks. That's but. awesome. Burn some things in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's so weird. My brain's not working today. 
Is it not? It can't think of big words. Okay, that's mm-hmm. all right. We can we can have conversations. That's why words. I need you, Sam. Never use a big word when a diminutive one shall suffice. Yes. Yeah. And um, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Um, in general, I, I think this is something about being back in Cape Town, which is in in all ways a more laid back city. Mm-hmm. I've been very happy realizing how much happier. Sorry, it's a terribly phrased sentence. I am when I make fewer plans. I think you've said something very important, Sam. <laughs> it didn't sound very important at the I time. I know, I know. But I think we've discussed my friend Kenny saying before. Which um, one? The plan, the plan is irrelevant, but planning, planning is everything. Yeah. You should constantly be planning, hmm. but you should never make plans. Yeah. That makes no sense either, does it? No, it kind of does. No, it kind of does, right? Yeah, no, it totally does. One should think through priorities and think through what one wants from life. Because you sit down at the beginning of every year and you make a list of things, hypothetically, that you're going to do. And then at the end of the year, you consult that list and going, not only didn't I do those, those were actually some of them terrible yeah, ideas. Yeah, um, But what I've seen, and, and we can bring it back to business, like I've seen a lot of companies make plans, mm. um, <clears throat> set their OKRs, and then six months down the road going, oh, hell, we didn't do that. We need to make a plan now to do that. Yeah. You go, guys, like, you know, you made that plan in the world the way it was six months ago. Yeah, yeah. The world has changed. I, maybe that's not something that you should have been doing in the first place. Well, I think that's kind of pretty fundamental, right? So you're saying, you know, the types of things everyone thinks that they should be doing is be healthier, basically. Yeah. Um, and maybe, what, spend less money. What are the other resolutions people make? It's kind of the most boring Stop things. smoking. Yeah, like be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Get off the crack. <laughs> Lay off the sauce. You gotta get off that crack this yeah. year. Yeah. Drink less. Yeah, drink less. I will kick crack down <laughs> the street this year. I wonder how many crack... Anyway. Um, yeah, but that, I mean, isn't that also quite depressing about just how... Giving up crack. Hell yeah. No, no. How little passion that reflects about and, and where your priorities lie as a human, you know, if those are the most creative things that you... Are those the things that you really care about is my question. Like, I think we spend so much time and we're so obsessed as a culture with being these really well-rounded, balanced, healthy humans um, and people don't challenge each other enough about, like, are you doing anything interesting? Like, what are you... Expend- You're trying to be really healthy in order to do what? Challenge yourself this year. Like maybe, I don't know, record a podcast in a room with uh, Taxidermy <laughs> Duck. Taxidermy Duck, yeah. You know, just, uh, just stretch your boundaries a bit. But how many news resolutions are like, I am going to, I don't know, I'm going to build a new thing that no one has ever built or I'm going to... Or I'm going to scare the fuck out of myself this year. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Those... I'm going to fight with people. I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pick one fight every day. <laughs> but I think that's powerful. Like I, I was reading this thing that uh, Neil Gaiman wrote about Terry Pratchett and his Alzheimer's and how mm-hmm. one of the glorious things in Pratchett's writing is how he writes hatred and, and, and how like in his own struggle with Alzheimer's, he's been angry about mm-hmm. it and how anger is can be such a positive, such a positive thing because it's, it's a rejection of thing mm-hmm. of, of a rejection of something. Mm. Um, and it's just, I don't know. Our whole culture is so nice and watered down and focused on fitness and quitting smoking. Yeah. What if smoking is fun? And no, I like you what you're saying. Like get really drunk on the streets sometimes. And or maybe maybe like people. Maybe like the root of all your um, resolutions are to be more disagreeable. Yeah. Be less pleasant. Be I, less rounded and more spiky. I think that's where progress comes from. Yeah. From disagreeable people. Absolutely. Who just hate something enough to change it yeah. or 
you know, are willing to be unpopular for a moment so that they can shift the needle in the right direction. Exactly. Because unpleasant people are ones that aren't just being meek and kind of fitting into mm-hmm. the spaces that already exist, you know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was reading Sam Harris over the Christmas. Lots holiday. of anger. Well, no anger. Like he's a pretty he's a pretty calm guy, Sam uh, Harris. I haven't read his his other books, but I, I was reading Waking Up. Mm. Um, and his whole thing at the moment, um, which got him into trouble with uh, Daniel... Uh, you see, you see. <laughs> I, I don't do have see. to tell you because you see. Um, or here. Uh, but he his whole thing at the moment is free will and mm. the illusion of free will and how it doesn't exist. And, um, and, and so where does that leave us? Mm. To just go with the flow? Like, no. Mm. Mm. I think I think if if I learned one thing in 2014, it's that going with the flow is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You should be disagreeable. You should dig in your heels, mm. and you should assert yourself, mm. whether it's an illusion or not. So I was having a conversation with someone the other day about how human culture. So there's this funny thing on a macro level if you zoom out and think about how humans have changed or society has changed in the last couple of thousand years. Mm. It isn't a very long time, but, but how we, how we are changing. And we're kind of at this moment where valuing individualism, I think is collapsing in a lot of very fundamental ways. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of like, um, fetishization over it Uh. in terms of like the whole world is homogenizing. Okay. Um, and this kind of, I almost feel like the fetishization of it is Pop culture, in re- retaliation to that process, but the process is unstoppable of us all homogenizing. If you look at like something like hipster culture, you know, yeah. um, that's the, it's the ultimate, it's the, the, the pinnacle of that, that of total homogenization throughout the world in a way that's fetishizing quirkiness, which is weird, but everyone is quirky in the same way. I think um, I know what you're saying. Does that make any sense? Yes, and I think I'm okay with it. Because every hipster is the same, right? If you go and hang out with the hipsters in San Francisco or the hipsters in Nairobi, I discovered that. And they all hate. They all hate hipsters. Yeah, they all hate hipsters, and I think that's that's what why. So the term hipster refers to that. It refers to the knowledge that you are not a special, unique snowflake. You think you are, but you're not. I thought it was just about authenticity. Yeah. But that's the irony. So it's a dichotomy. Yeah. I remembered a big word. Well done. With, I didn't even have to you see there was no pause. I just said it. I said it dichotomy. Just, but if you think about like 500 years ago and how inventions happened, right? Mm-hmm. You could still have these mad geniuses who from their own brain birthed. Like you could have Leonardo da Vinci who from his amazing brain birthed these concepts mm-hmm. that had da Vinci not existed, they probably wouldn't have happened for at least a while, you know? Okay. Um, as opposed to now when everyone is so hyper-connected and everyone is aware of what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. and can collaborate much better and what we can build is actually ultimately much more important. But at the same time, what we're losing is any sense of like pure genius or any sense of, I don't know, voiding into the unknown and being disagreeable. Which is why we need, yeah, <laughs> people to be disagreeable. Fucks. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what any of that meant. No, neither do I. But I also, I feel like there's this sense of um, impending doom at the moment mm. as well. Mm. There's this sort of, uh, there's this sort of rejection of 
I don't know what it is. Maybe that homogenization. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. Like you could, you can picture this. You know, you read about some of the ancient citadels and how some people would just fuck out and run out into the desert yeah, and yeah. and yeah. start worshiping fire gods. Crazy. And and, yeah. and I. I don't know what I'm talking about. Just be wild men in the in the cave. Mm. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of what hipsterdom is about too. But I also think, so I, the most important thing that I've read in the last while is this article I tweeted, it's on my Twitters, uh, that speaks about the golden century, um, which was between the post-war boom until about the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And how that was this incredible time in which economies were growing at an astronomical rate. Um, a whole bunch of the really important inventions that we think of right now changing the world, like the internet, come from then. Yes. You know, we made massive breakthroughs in medical technology. We eradicated polio. We did these huge, important things. And from a cultural perspective, for the first time in thousands of years, the place of women in society fundamentally changed. Racial consciousness fundamentally changed. Yeah. Like, actually, that period of time was incredibly innovative right. and very focused on the future, if you look at, like, the aesthetics of design of that time. Right. And actually, since the mid-70s, rarely we've actually not progressed very fast at all. We've Stopped returned. sending people to the moon. Yeah, yeah. The last time we sent someone to the moon was the 70s, right? Yeah. So, I mean... Started like, playing sport. <laughs> too much sport. Too much sport yeah. ruined the world, basically. We've actually returned to rates of progress that are similar to before the war, really. This is the depressing. No, but it's true. And they've got beautiful stats kind of outlining this. I was Piketty pretty depressed about before this. our discussion and now... But I was thinking about like hipsterdom also fetishizes the 70s in a lot of ways. And it's, it, huh. it kind of almost feels like maybe there's this weird... You should write a book. What would it would be Sam Rambling about things that are Sam Rambling is a great title for a book. I'd buy it. Well, anyway, so. But I think yeah, you you see, you just you're saying smart things all the time. Thank you. I'm just here with my duck. Oh, <laughs> why are you so sleepy today? But I mean, what yes, maybe I think, and and a lot of the a lot of the 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 literature from the last couple of years is also kind of. Okay, maybe it's because I've been reading a lot about the financial world recently. Mm. But it's also like, shit's about to get real, guys. Mm. No, seriously, this time for any, real. Any day now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. Really, this time it will. Yeah. Uh, although, I, I'm reading I'm reading a book at the moment called um, The Death of Money. Mm. I mean, you don't get more ominous a title than that. Oh, and I was expecting, like most of the books, the titles like that, that I would lose interest after a couple mm. of chapters. But this guy's the real deal. Mm. And um, and one thing you realize is the intricacies of like how society works, which to a large degree is how money works. Mm. Those are things that people were kind of just oblivious to for a really long time and that the world sort of hung up on now. Mm. Like we're really spending a lot of time thinking about this massive game we're playing mm. um, as a society and the sense that it's not a good game and it's going to change, but mm. that that change will require a lot of pain. Mm. Does mm. any of this? Mm. I don't know. Mm. No, yeah, totally. Mm. So when he, so what version of the death of money is he referring to? The death of kind of. Well, so I'm halfway through the book, and it's a combination of things. So it's the Chinese bubble bursting. Mm. It's the inflationary forces in the public sector. Um, losing to the deflationary forces in the private sector mm. it's rapid devaluation of the dollar mm, it's it's a number of things and so you know a lot of this you you read these kind of theories and you're like yeah but what about x y and z this guy 
whose name I need to look up in my external brain right now. Um, he's, you know, he makes the argument in such a well-rounded way, which on the one hand makes it very difficult to read the book. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, this is the guy that... So he talks about um, the, the, the build-up to 9-11 mm. and how there was a lot of trading... Um, on the New York Stock Exchange to short American Airlines um, before uh, 9-11 happened, right? Before that first flight hit hmm. the Twin Towers, which is an obvious thing to explain. Hmm. There were people, um, you know, who were involved in plotting this, who knew it was sure. going to happen yeah. uh, and knew that there was a financial gain to be had if you shorted U.S. Airlines, etc. Interesting. And so if you knew that, you know that kind of trading was happening uh, you could detect you could have predicted you know you could be forewarned of this event and there yeah. was so there was you know there was a massive project it's all declassified now because it was essentially shelved by the CIA mm. um, but there was a massive project with guys from the private sector uh, Stephen Levitt was one of them okay, one of cool. the um, free, the economics, free guys. economics guys yeah um, but some of the world's top economists worked on this early warning system wow. that would analyze um, that would analyze what's happening in financial markets um, to predict kind of and and with some success did make some calls on, for example, the London bombings. The system hmm. detected, but at that stage hadn't been implemented. So, wow. um, so he was involved in that system. You know, he's 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 been involved with some of the trickier hedge fund arrangements around the world. Like he's. He's the real deal, hmm. uh, James Rickards. James Rickard. Yeah, the death of money, the coming Dude, collapse of the international monetary amazing. system. One of the things that uh, Piketty talks about, sorry, I'm reading Capital in the 21st Century and it's it's ruling my brain and all of my thoughts. Dude, it was between it. that book amazing. and this one. Okay, well, we, we can and swap I, afterwards. Yeah, we'll, we can we'll swap, although mine's on Audible, so it might be oh, difficult. Mine's but on, anyway. Mine's on Kindle, so... <laughs> I listen to Audible. Anyway, so um, there's this thing that he talks about, which is how... Again, and then if I now map that against this other thing I was thinking about, about the, the golden period. Um, before World War I, mm -hmm. it wasn't presumed for most people that they would be wealthier than their parents. In fact, classes were pretty fixed, right? Which is how Jane Austen could write about a man of 2,000 pound earning a year, you know, and that would make sense for a long time after that because there wasn't mass inflation was, was very low, it was before, mm. you know. Um, and this idea, our generation, right, we still have this idea that it's natural for kids to be wealthier than their parents, I think. That's kind of something that we... Yeah, although so I think in our this. generation that's changed. It's changing. That's what. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. So and in fact, now point. you're probably not going to be anywhere near as wealthy as your parents. Exactly. And like, have we realized that? Because I think if I look at you know some of my 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 sort of young McKinsey working for McKinsey, flying the high flyer life friends, you know, I, I don't know if that's clicked for a lot of people. Like the way in which you could accumulate capital in the middle class mm. for our parents is so different to the situation we're in and yeah. all of it does start to look quite bleak man well on one hand it does but then you read like Nassim Taleb um, mm. in Anti-Fragile yeah. and like the dude is you know he's He's a dick, basically. <laughs> um, and he's very difficult to read. He's one of these spiky people. He's even more difficult to follow on Twitter. Actually, yeah. yeah. We've been singing the praises of his ilk. <laughs> Go and follow <laughs> Nassim enjoy Taleb. Enjoy his anger. And enjoy him raging against yeah. Yeah, Rage um, everything, basically. Yeah. But part of the point he makes in Anti-Fragile is that 
Um, there, there's certain careers that will be anti-fragile in this environment and that'll benefit from the chaos. Mm. And, and he alludes to the arts and to people who work for themselves, self-employed or freelance who have mm. multiple clients instead of one stream of income. Interesting. And that, that kind of inspires me because yeah. I like to, I like, I have this idea that, that what we think of as a company now, that, that kind of structure mm. won't be around a hundred years from now. Yeah. Like there'll be people doing things together, but you know the the, the day of the big company with like eight thousand mm. employees, mm. half of whom are playing solitaire for eight hours a day, mm. and then wishing they were dead for the other twelve. <laughs> like that, those days are numbered. And thank God, good things to them. Thank God, but but in a you can imagine a future, or well, I can anyway, because I'm so um, naive. Yeah. Where, where everybody's kind of self-employed and we converge on projects. Right. These projects take on a life of their own yeah. and then other people curate them or not or they die or whatever. But where we're kind of, you know, our teams are more sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Transient. Yeah. You know, you're kind of, we're involved in doing this thing. Now. And in a way, you know, when you when you look at especially information work in the 21st mm-hmm. century, mm-hmm. people don't stick around in jobs for longer than yeah. like two, three, maybe four years. Right. And then they're off to the next thing. Yeah. The company's still there. It's a bad idea, but the world hasn't realized it yet. But mm-hmm. but we're, we're already working in this new way where mm-hmm. it's like I, I, you know, what I can bring to this project, there's a time and place for that. Yeah. But I'm not going to pretend that this company is going to need me 20 mm-hmm. years from now or that mm-hmm. I'm going to need it. Yeah. Um, and so I think... In, in in the pain that's coming and, and this this new generation like not having everything handed to it on a silver plate, mm. part of that is that the guys sweating now uh, to create their own terms and mm. ways of working will benefit in that environment, will thrive in that environment, yeah. while the people who are used to the sustained support of a corporate structure, mm. like that's who, who the hard times will come sure. for. Yeah. I, I think or not. In ge- no, yeah, totally. And I think in general it's also good to have a sense of historical humility if that's a term like realizing that everything that feels so solid and absolute to us now is 80 years old mm-hmm. a lot of the things that we sort of take for granted are the absolutes in the world 80 to 100 years old and in the grand scheme of things it's it's nothing yeah and things can change mm-hmm. and actually most of the 20th century was quite anomalous um and it's not obvious that things will always be like that I hope we send people to the moon again, man, because... Oh, cool. Yeah, why, why did we done stop that? doing that? It's about Mars now, right? Elon yeah. Musk is going to reveal the SpaceX suit soon. <gasps> I don't... Yeah. Imagine if you could meet Elon Musk. It's my dream. He plays games. <laughs> he had an AMA on Reddit. No way. And he, so, he plays video games. Which ones? Can I, can I, can I mook with He likes him? FPSs with a story like oh, Bioshock. Okay, getting on to Bioshock. Maybe one day. I just like it because, you know, all the douchebags tell you how you should focus and do one thing. And, wah, 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 <laughs> and you've got Musk, who's like a multidisciplinary, yeah. who also plays video games yeah. and, or, and, and earns three orders of magnitude more than that. Elon do. Musk is like the last remaining, like, gentleman. You remember, like, in the 18th century, there would be these, like, gentlemen who would, like, be a naturalist and discover some new fossils and then they'd yeah, write man. poetry multidisciplinary and like, yeah, like, like renaissance men Elon renaissance Musk is like the man, last freaking renaissance man and a polymath yeah the world needs more masks disagreeable <laughs> fucks totally who just 
Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Okay, so you're reading Capital in the 21st Century. Yes, you're reading The Death of What other awesome things have you discovered? Oh, my goodness. I didn't... I forgot that we do this. (laughs) Well, we don't have to. We Um, don't have to do anything, man. I know. We are free. We... I mean, this structure... On the... On the lack of structure. Total lack of structure. On the question... You just put a fucking duck on the table. (laughs) You know. I discovered this duck. It freaks me the fuck out. I hate it. You can do whatever we want, man. I did discover, again, it's on my Twitters, um, if anyone wanted to find it. Um, mm-hmm. For a while, there's been, um, I can't even remember what it's called. I don't have my external brain here. This great repository of MS-DOS games from the 90s. And I know we talked about this yes. That thing is going around. They've just updated it with a whole bunch of things. So I did spend a couple of hours the other day playing Leisure Suit Larry. Um, Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Su- is it Leisure Suit? But it should have been Leisure Suit. A suit makes more sense. Um, yes, it does make a lot more sense. <laughs> I thought it was Leisure <laughs> Suite. <laughs> so it was honestly that game that my yes. friend, my friend Chantelle Simpson and I used to like hide in her room with her like crappy MS-DOS computer and load it up and snigger. And it, yeah. like it's age control, I remember, is they'd ask you a question that you would probably, like a pop culture question. That's right. If you weren't a baby boomer, like forget about it. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, mm. that's pretty much the only... It's on archive.org, actually. Archive.org, that's yeah, exactly great, where it great is. Yeah, great PR for archive.org. Exactly where it is. The software library of MS-DOS games. Yes. Oh, man. What about you? Uh, I just... Well, since you're talking about games, I discovered a Japanese RPG called uh, Freedom Wars. Uh-huh. That's fairly... It's it's pretty awesome. Oh, that does sound cool. Um so, you know, if anybody's got a PlayStation Vita and found this conversation on the internet, they should download Freedom it forthwith. What is the, um, what's the vibe? So, it's set in the future. In but the like future? 100,000 years in the future. That's what I love about, you know, Japanese RPGs. You know, Western Western <laughs> fiction is like, yeah, it's the year 2050. Japan's yeah. like, fuck that. It's the year, like, <laughs> 3 trillion. You know? And... People's lifespans are well. We're basically immortal. Like yeah. we've cracked that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what happens is people live in in cities, but the cities are called panopticons, and it is it is kind of like a prison environment where you're under constant surveillance. Mm. But also, you're not you're not free. Freedom is something you have to earn. Mm. Um, so you're born essentially with a prison sentence. Mm. You're born guilty of a million year pres- prison sentence, and you have to do jobs for the state that reduce your sentence. Wow. So. Time is sort of like a commodity and something to be traded with the state. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you'll, you'll go and like fight other panopticons for the state and they'll reduce your sentence by like 3,000 years for a victory or That's whatever. That's so interesting. Um, but the combat system's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it's a strategic, you know, the, the Japanese RPG things. It's like, you know, walk up to a female sprite wearing. <laughs> earmuffs and answer multiple choice questions which basically all say the same thing right you know yes. what are you doing nothing not much i'm not doing anything which should i choose um but in between all of that malarkey is some of the best combat ever where you're fighting these massive like mechanoid things from a hundred thousand years in the future mm. um they're kind of like robots but you get a sense that they're bio as well mm. um and you have to do it in teams mm. uh and 
And basically, you're, you don't pick a class. You pick weapons and armor that kind of snap you into a class. So you can change it all oh, the time. Okay. Um, and the online play is amazing. And I'm not sure that anybody who found this conversation on the internet really cares. No, but, it's, but that sounds amazing. Because this whole thing is about like, getting more time to do cool shit. And that's some cool shit. Well, there you I go. I think that's what it's about. It's, 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 what it's about, about us talking it's what it's about. to each other, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. So let's tell you about Incredipede. You did not. Incredipede is a game that my friend Colin Northway made. And it is you are a centipede sort of creature. All it's the like best start this way. Basically a physics game, uh-huh. um, but you get to choose what legs you have and change your legs in order to nice. maneuver through obstacles. It's a really game fun. about life and feet. Yes, Incredipede dot com available on Android. Yes, nice. That's quite a fun one. I will download it. It's I will play it on like Steam and, and Apple's App Store as well. I feel like your little ones would enjoy it, actually, as well. Okay. Your, your larger little ones. They may well. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Those are things. Games, man. Yeah. Fun and games. Yeah. I All don't right. know about it. I, I have nothing to offer from the productivity perspective. That's okay. Games yeah. are um, important to um, <laughs> help you think about stuff. Yes. True story. And stuff. All right. Okay, we need Denver. to... We've got our work cut out for us. Okay. So let's go do it. Let's go do it. Thanks, this, Sam. This has been fun, Mr. Dingle. It has been fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Simon. All right, Sam. Bye. Bye. Thank you.